0: That the the police stations, hospitals and staff common rooms of British television, offering advice, hot drinks and platitudes, occasionally on the receiving end of the protagonist's pent-up frustration, but never of the audience's sympathy. Although this provided work in a profession where employment was scarce, it had also bound her hand and foot to mediocrity, requiring her only to do what she could not reasonably mess up, rather than stretching her to new and unpredictable heights of theatrical achievement. She was a face without a name, and as such a godsend to her agent. But Sally had not become an actress to be invisible. She'd been that all her life. Acting was to be her way out. Only she knew that. A reputation for reliability had followed her into her private life, or perhaps it was the other way round, Either way, she was considered a useful shoulder to cry on, and had unknowingly come to enjoy her role as confessor-comforter, though the advice she dispensed was frequently spiked with acid and very rarely acted upon. She lived alone, if not estranged from her family, then certainly divided from it by more than distance. The theatre had been a world as alien to her elderly parents as Mars, and people, they'd been prone to believe, by creatures of considerably less integrity. Scientists of some repute, Leonard and Eunice Grosvenor, had mistrusted all forms of invention, unless backed up by appropriate proofs. Thus Sally and her brother John had never been allowed to visit pantomimes as children, for fear that Jack's magic beanstalk or Cinderella's coach would encourage a belief in the illogical. This made perfect sense to John, who was more stonily rational than either parent, but seemed to Sally a cruelty beyond redemption only serving to confirm her in the suspicion that she'd been stolen at birth for the purposes of genetic experimentation. Dark hints to her school friends, duly passed on to their horrified mothers, had resulted in a trip to an educational psychologist. Sally had been pronounced sane but over-imaginative, leading to the removal of the television set and its rapid replacement with 15 volumes of A Child's Guide to Natural History. Despite this, or more probably because of it, she had plunged headlong into a world of fantasy and make believe, which no amount of ecological summer schools or family outings to Dungeness had managed to erase. In adulthood, her alienation had become more marked, with John following his father into chemical research, marrying his sponsor's daughter, and settling down to rear the next generation of sceptics. Sally had tried to show proper interest particularly after her parents died, but John was too much his father's clone to let the legacy fade, and her efforts to seduce her plummy little nieces with gifts of conjuring sets and fairy tale cassettes had met with hooting derision from the infant purists. Contact had inevitably lessened, and Sally, though disappointed at first, now found that she preferred her freedom and the occasional company of those she liked to regular visits from those she ought to like. It was, however, a state not reached without a certain amount of heart-searching. For whatever their views on its chemical properties, her parents had always insisted that blood was thicker than water. She let herself into her flat. The answer phone was resolutely unblinking. The second poster brought nothing but circulars. She opened the fridge and extracted a bottle of wine. The phone rang. Sally? It was Colin Max. Colin, yes, hello. I can't take no for an answer. Well, I'm afraid you have to, Colin. I'm not right for the part. A true artiste accepts no limitations. Well, this one does. I cannot do the can-can. I have never been able to do the can-can, and short of a miracle, I never will be able to do the can-can. What's more, to be perfectly frank, Colin, I'm not at all sure it's right for Iphigenia and Aulis. There was a silence as Colin debated whether to wheedle or sulk. "'There's a very good part for you in Volpony,' Sally sighed. "'I don't mind being in the chorus. I have absolutely no objection to that. "'It's just I've passed the age where I can split my body into three pieces "'for the sake of welcoming someone else's son back to Thebes. "'Maria's had to pull out. Oh? "'Yes, she finally got her date for her abortion.' If you can't do it, we may have to cancel. Poor Maria, is she all right? As far as I know. I'd have asked Kirsty, but she'd never learned the lines in time. But she was all right in Pericles.